I'm Sophie Gray. And I'm Nerida Ashcroft. And you're listening to I Wasn't Expecting That, a podcast where we discuss issues affecting women in the sandwich years, like us, caught between ageing parents and our own millennial offspring. We aren't cougars or golden girls. Most of us are too knackered, to be honest. We've got jobs or careers of our own, but are still the on-call carers for partners, parents and offspring, while still dealing with all our own stuff. Stuff we weren't necessarily expecting, and that no other generation has had to face in quite the same way. In this week's episode of I Wasn't Expecting That, we're talking about the empty, or in some cases, ever-refilling family nest. (laughs) Yeah, 20s. I'd say about 18 or 20. 18, 19 or 20. But you should be able to live wherever you want to be and live. um, But I'd say you, I would agree with Helena, but I would just have a certain age of like 20. Well, 21 is when you're officially an adult, so maybe when you're an adult or maybe... They change it to 18. Or like a teenager, but... If it's a teenager that has swear words and doesn't she even know, in a few more years. that has that does swear words and he doesn't even know how to drive a car and stuff like that, I think he he or she would still have to stay with her, his or her parents. It seems like that, doesn't it? I've got a friend at my work and she's in her late 50s now and her kids still are coming back every now and then they'll go and then they'll come back they'll go and then come back she thinks that they're finally gone now right well I have had them leave and come back and leave and come back and it isn't something that I ever expected when when I left home I left home at 17 didn't go very far, just to a flat round the corner from where my parents were living. Mm-hmm. But when I told my mum I was moving out, she said, uh, just so you know, the house is not a hotel. So the room that you have previously referred to as your room becomes our room. And incidentally, wow. the bed that you've always called your bed is actually our bed. Well, that's making so, it clear, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you need to think very seriously about this decision because once you move out, you won't be able to just come swanning back in. Wow. Uh, and I was like, okay, all right, yep, that's fine. Um, and I Did certainly... Did you regret moving out then? No, I didn't. Um, so my it makes my mother sound like she was awful. She could be really hardline about some things. So she was very affectionate, but she was also brutal on some things. Mm. Um and she didn't like the idea that, you know, we would just come swanning in and out of their lives. And I think that perhaps that was quite sensible in some ways. It was also, it did leave me a little bit vulnerable um, at times. So mm-hmm. and there was an occasion when I was between flats and asked if I could come and stay back with my parents for a weekend. Um, and I was more than welcome. And I was welcome to come and stay for a weekend as a, as a guest. Right. But it was that sense of, you know, I wasn't, you know, you you just didn't move back it's in. It's not like you were a kid again. And no, you just moved back, back into my old room with yeah. the Candlewick bedspread and the yeah, yeah. movie posters on the walls. No, yeah. that that was never an option um, for us. But things are different now, aren't they? Because I know that when I was at the age where you'd typically move out of home, 
um, that was the idea that you would move out of home and then that would be it. Yeah. Whereas now with the cost of living and the cost of student loans and stuff like that, it is so much more common and acceptable for 20-year-olds to still be living at home and Absolutely. <laughs> and uni and all of that kind yeah. of thing. So I heard... Um, something recently on the radio and they were talking about millennial views on things yeah. and that the average millennial considers that 27 is the optimum age to leave home. Really? So wow. whereas 17 was the average age for leaving home when I left home. It was just really, that's what you did. 17 is so young. I know, but we were working and, you know, yeah. uh, or, or you went, went off to uni or, you know, you worked for a year and then you went and did your OE with no cell phones and, mm. you know, any of that. Um, so that was what you did. Um, so I ran this thought past my millennial son yeah. recently. My husband and I were talking about it. it. says, oh, Jack, you know, we heard recently that, you know, the average millennial thinks that 27 is the optimum age to leave home. And he said, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, and, and then he went on to say, well, in um, Chinese and Korean families, sometimes they never leave home. No. And, like, and then he looked at us expectantly and was like, well, so what are you saying? Yeah, you know? <laughs> and we're counting up on our fingers. It's like, so how many more years do you think you? But actually, um, he has moved away and went lived in another city for five months and then came back. Um, but you know, is looking for an opportunity to get into another flat because among his friends now, few live at home. Um, but there are some who do, and it's for often sound reasons. They're saving for a house. They're going through uni. They're doing a job that has purpose rather than a great salary and that's more important to millennials mm. than other stuff yeah that's right um it was like because my two girls are 19 and 21 both living at home which is great i yeah. i like their company um but it was like a couple of years ago and it just dawned on me that oh my goodness they could be leaving home you know in a few years time we could be in a house just myself and my husband and nobody else here, mm. and it was kind of a bit of a moment actually. Mm. I thought, I don't, I don't know if I like that idea. I like having them around. I don't. I'm not so keen on this whole empty nest business. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? It's a, it is a real wrench. Yeah. Um, how did you feel when Petra moved to Christchurch to study? Um, well, I. I was primarily excited for her, but I did miss her. I remember, and it was the same with my husband as well, you know, you'd walk past her bedroom at night time. Mm. It's like, she's not here anymore. Mm. You know, her bedroom is completely, actually Empty. it wasn't tidy. <laughs> but it's their, it physical, it's their physical presence it that, that makes it feel empty, right? Yeah. It's not the stuff. And just knowing that she's not away for a weekend, that she's away for a couple of years, mm. you know, it was, it was a real wrench. Was yeah. it odd then when she came back? Did you have to kind of rearrange as a family dynamic? Um, it was quite nice actually when she did come back because she had grown up a bit. Right, yeah. So she could cook for a yeah. start. I tried to teach her to cook, yeah. but she just wasn't interested. Yeah. But she could read and she could follow instructions, so I thought she'd be fine. She yeah. can follow a recipe, and she was fine. So I'm glad that I didn't really push the whole cooking thing too far. And make them you know, end up actually causing conflict and tension in your relationship yeah, yeah that's right so she was able to learn to cook so anyway she came back from Christchurch and um you just kind of slotted in back to normal but she could cook and she was happy to keep her um area of the house nice and tidy which was very nice mm. <laughs> we went through a really odd stage so the house was just about empty there was just us and and 
Jack. So we had quite a lot of empty rooms and we were sort of feeling like we were rattling around in there. Mm. Um, and then one of uh, one of Jack's friends needed somewhere to board because his parents were not in Auckland and he was at uni and, and he wasn't really emotionally or financially equipped to be flatting. So Jack said, could his friend board with us? We had empty rooms, so we said, yep, that would be fine. Um, and then that that was good, so we had the two boys. Um, and then another one of his friends ended up having a bit of a uh, family situ that meant that he needed somewhere to live. Yeah, right. um, and Jack said, oh, would it be all right if he <laughs> came to right. live with us? So Rich and I talked about it quite seriously, and we talked about it with the, with, with the boys. Yeah. Um, and they... They were both adamant that yes, that that home should be available to this young man, mm-hmm. who had a job and and so on, and was mm. going to be paying board. Um, so he moved in. So all of a sudden, we had three twenty-one-year-old boys in the house. Wow! Um, and then my daughter's uh, situation changed, and she went through a bit of a life crisis, um, and she needed to. Come home. Wow! Uh, so but you really we had a full house all yeah, of a sudden. But we didn't fully grasp that prior to her um, imploding situation, she had invited her best friend cousin from Australia to come and stay with her at her flat. Uh, so when she came home, all of a sudden we had another twenty-three-year-old Australian wow. with her. Um, so we had three twenty-one-year-old boys and two twenty-three-year-old girls crammed into the house. And it was like living in a frat house. Was it? Um, yeah, but it was. Uh, we the the balance of power just kind of it just shifted a bit. We right. were a little oh, little bit outnumbered, and we had you know we had you know various young people in various sort of crises situations, and and I was working shift work for the police. So Rich was the one around during the day helping various young men sort of work through how to register their cars and what to do when their engines broke down and, you know, helping girls navigate their way through various situations and and Mm. so on. And then at night we would just kind of retreat to our end of the house. But it was really interesting how those young people looked after each other. Um, And then one of the boys got himself sorted out and left. And then another one, we graduated because he didn't need to be with us anymore. And then the, the, daughter was sorted and she was able to go and then it was just the son and then it was amazing and and then the daughter has moved back home because she's started her own business now and we just constantly readjust but what we have learned now is that it's not mum dad and the kids we are four adults sharing a house yeah Yeah. and that's the that's the thing that that you've articulated that when Petra came home she didn't come home back as the same person yeah and you know, I'm actually kind of looking forward to those ebbs and flows. I yeah. think that's really nice. What a great life to have, to mm. that your kids can feel that they can come back to a home and that it's nice to be able to all live together as flatmates. I, I love that yeah. idea. I want that. I think uh, I wonder if it's easier for women than for men. I know Rich has found it harder to stop being dad. Oh. Um, and, you know, he's inclined to grump about somebody not packing the dishwasher the way he likes it packed or, you know, yeah. the piles of washing and yeah. that kind of thing, whereas I just kind of 
I like having them around and I really like the adult relationship. Oh, honestly, I had the best Mother's Day outing with my boy. Uh, he took do? he took me lime scootering around the viaduct oh, in the fun. evening um, and then we went out for drinks and she had multiple bowls of fries and it's like, this, this is the adult relationship, you know. And yeah. I, I mean, we're, Belle was overseas, so um, we, we didn't do an outing together as such. Mm. Um, but, you know, doing the adult things with your kid, that's interesting. And I just think... For me, I don't feel like I ever fully developed an adult relationship with my parents. My dad, I still call him daddy. Right. Um, That's sweet. But I feel like we've never quite been peers. So right. now, you know, at 89, you know, he needs some support. Prior to that, he was the one who supported me. I don't know that there was a point at which that we were peers. Yeah, whereas my my mum died before she and I had developed that kind of a relationship because yeah. she died so very young. Whereas I feel like with my kids, there are things where they know more about something than I do, and there are things where I know more about something than they do, mm. and you know they've it's got a bit more even. Yeah, yeah. I think I probably would feel the same. Actually, I don't know if I have that sort of uh, peer-to-peer relationship with my parents either. Really, I mean, maybe maybe I do with my dad. I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's something I, that we should yeah. have. We yeah. should have even. I certainly don't think my mother suffered from empty nest. Like when I moved out, that was when my parents separated and went their separate ways. Right, okay. And so I think they, I imagine that was a really difficult time for them. And that they were actually focused on trying to reformat their own lives. Yeah. I think I, what, empty nest often sort of coincides with other yeah. significant issues in in your life so for women you know menopause is a Mm -hmm. is a factor so you're going through a significant life change there and you know you've got you there is just other stuff going on yeah that's right you're at a stage of life where you may end up being made redundant or there's a career change because you've just had enough of this job and you want to start your own business Mm. um your parents might be getting older and needing a little bit more support well i think that's a lot of us yeah you know getting them into a retirement home or whatever you know sorting out their finances and all that sort of stuff that's you know i've recently had to help my dad sell one of his rental properties and that was all fine you know it was no big drama but i can imagine more of those sorts of things would get on top of you. Yeah. You know, if you've got lots going on. Yeah. See, my my dad lives not far away, but it's like, you know, a 40, 45 minute drive to, to get to his place. Mm. Um, and then in rush hour traffic, mm. you know, I work full time and I have you know a lot of other stuff you know going on on the on the fringes of that so mm. trying to find time with him um, you know, it's a real um, and then you know, come home and there's a house full of people or you know the yeah. kids have invited friends around or whatever and it's like that's all fine and and so on yeah. there are times when you know the the idea of coming home to a quiet empty house now is quite attractive oh that's the worst for me at the moment is it <laughs> yeah so it's interesting because I go through spells so yeah we we have a friend who um who has said to us quite um openly that he envies that our our kids are around and he has a really good relationship with his adult kids mm. but but they're not very present in his home right yeah um and and he grieves that and envies us what we have yeah. so that's made us you know it's become a bit of a sort of stop and check for rich and i yeah. if we find ourselves moaning and complaining about it we will remind each other actually yeah. we're really lucky you know to have this because there are other people that 
wouldn't. Yeah, well, in two weeks' time, my youngest daughter is off to America. She not to live. She's actually going to Camp America. Right. Okay. So she's doing a bit of travelling around. So she'll be away for three months. So three months I can handle. I will miss her a lot because yeah. she's my let's go out and have a bike ride buddy. Mm. Right. <laughs> which okay. I love. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll definitely miss that about her. But the day when she moves out and the day when my older daughter moves out and then I am coming home from work to an empty house night after night, you know, just me and my husband, it's going to be hard, I think. Are you going to prepare for that? Yeah, I am. So um, there's all sorts of things that I want to do, like, you know, I want to learn to dance. and What kind of dance? Uh, well, actually, for my husband's birthday last year... <laughs> <laughs> I bought him the voucher um, for Ciroc dance lessons. Oh, fun. <laughs> so we've been to one lesson and it was so hard. Right. Well, actually, it started out being easy, but then they added so many steps into the one night that by right. the time you get to the end of it, you honestly, were a bit lost. We were exhausted, not from the physical movement, you know, not from the exercise, but just the mental The energy. concentration. Oh, unbelievable. So anyway. You, you might know. have to YouTube some some practice sessions yeah I know man it was hard so yeah you know stuff like that I think and I want to you know do more outdoorsy hikes and things like that it'd be really great to just have a a group of women to go out with yeah thanks after work yeah I 100% think that those are the things you should be doing and in the in the spells when we did feel like the house was pretty much empty um I got quite excited about the prospect of the new as well as sort of feeling a bit nostalgic um uh, so I've got a one of my good friends she really really was so dreading the empty nest Mm. that it became a real issue um and she was really grieving that the parenting years were coming to an end um and so she actually got some psychological help around it because she really was getting stuck in a pattern of feeling sad Um, and she was very very strategic about managing it because she realized how much it was affecting her and that she didn't want to hold her kids back and she ended up with both of them overseas within three months of each other so it was it, it would have been her worst nightmare but she had strategies for for coping with her feelings and what sorts she, of things do you know? Um, she was really coping, co- concentrating. She talked to me about she got some like happiness program that she downloaded that that actually just it, it's she said it sounds a bit happy clappy and superficial, <laughs> but actually it works for me. Right. And it was just you know a whole bunch of stuff around focusing, making you focus on really positive, really happy things yeah. that distracted her away from the feelings of sadness and grief that had been dominating her thoughts. Yeah, and that's what I was sort of um, thinking as well. It's like, yes, there is this letting go of this period of time in your life that was really great, having them around, being the mum, taking them here and there, getting to know their friends, mums, and being Mm. involved in all of those sorts of circles. It is kind of a little bit sad to let go of all of that. But I think there's so many other positives and I think you really need to look into the future and think, well, I've got this new life now. What do I want it to look like? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to make that happen. Yeah. And I'm going to put that in place now while they're still at home yeah. before I get depressed. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's sort of everything that I've read around this subject says that you should 
prepare for it. Um, and that for some people, you know, if they haven't got a lot of sort of financial resources at their disposal, so joining a club or classes or something like that isn't an option. Even things like getting a pet, starting a veggie garden, making plans for what's going to go into that empty room. You know, don't keep it as a shrine to the child, but, you know, that becomes your craft room or your yoga room or, you know, something like that, you know. Home for them is always going to be home. The minute they walk through that door, they don't have to walk back into their old bedroom and have it the same. It's, you know... Making sure there's food in the fridge. Yeah, making them <laughs> making them feel welcome and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. But I do remember the first time Rich and I did an outing that was kind of the kind of thing you used to do with the kids, but you weren't doing it with the kids. And it was really weird. It and they weren't, weird. they hadn't left home. They were just, you know, both in their late things. teens, early 20s, having their life. Um, and we went to Kauau Island and, you know, went on the ferry and did the hike and all t- took the picnic. And it was like all these families there with kids. It's like, I know. It felt really odd. Yeah, I um, know. I felt that as well. It's like, this is what we're supposed to do with our families, not just the two of us. Yeah. And that maybe if you are heading into that phase you should look at doing those things with a bunch of friends Friends, rather than going off and doing them just you or just you and your partner Mm. or whatever because it it can feel like a bit of a void Um, I think you know you're right as far as preparing for the future I think rather than just letting it happen and letting the tsunami of feelings just hit you just take action and um, put things in place so that you're not actually swamped by those feelings. Yeah. Mm. Um, I found this little quote. I'm not 100% sure I agree with this. This is um, the American writer, the late Irma Bombeck. She said, When mothers talk about the depression of the empty nest, they're not mourning the passing of all those wet towels on the floor or the music that numbs your teeth or even the bottle of capless shampoo dribbling down the shower Mm -hmm. drain. They're upset because they've gone from being supervisor of a child's life to a spectator. It's like... Like being the vice president of the United States. I don't know. I don't feel like a spectator. I'm not sure if I'd agree with that either, to be honest. I would miss all of those things. Mm. I would miss the wet towels and I would miss the shoes left on the floor in the middle of the kitchen. That was mm. my youngest daughter. Right. You know, it's yeah. like suddenly the house is all perfect again. I think it's their presence, yeah. actually. I really think it's it's the void that they leave behind by not being there. And there's a bit of a creative space that's empty as well, the sort of mad scrambling around that you do when they're little trying to come up with a, a costume for book, you know, baking on the fly because they've got to take a plate oh, to something and they I'll forgot to give you that. the notice. And, <laughs> but I think there, for, for me there, were, there was a creativity that I had to tap into for some mm. of those things, coming up with ideas for birthday parties and helping right, with yeah. projects and all of that. You know, it's like, I think that's why sometimes hobbies and crafts and so on find a place it's not just about time it's about ways that you express your creativity for for women it's potentially different for men but who cares about them because we're not talking about how it affects them really um (laughs) but yeah those birthday cakes wow they i loved making those birthday cakes they were so much fun yeah and you know so there is a lot of just doing that you do filling Mm. party bags and unpacking school bags at the end of the term and finding all of the half-eaten lunches Mm. and notices that you never got and um bits of gravel and stuff like that just all of that kind of tasks and so on that you don't do anymore Mm -hmm. that you need to replace with something and replace with something meaningful yeah that's right it's a new chapter and it's a new opportunity to do these things that you haven't had the chance to really think about or do um 
yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting more creative. I'm not really, I always thought I wasn't a creative person, but I really want to get into doing more things like sewing. Never really done that before. Getting back into my music, dancing. Sewing is engineering. So that, you know, lots of really sort of technical men are very good sewers, Ah. which I've always found quite fascinating. There's a brilliant um, TV series called The Sewing Bee. Um, which you could probably track down on YouTube. And some of the people who are the best at that competition are men, uh, heterosexual wow. men who sew all the clothes for their wives and daughters and right. so on, but they're often engineers, oh, which is amazing. kind of interesting. Yeah. So I, like you, I would like to do lots more things mm. when and if we end up with less people in the house and more time at my disposal. But then there's my dad. Mm. Um, and, you know, that with every month that goes by he is a little bit less independent at 89 living on his own Um, and I feel terrific pressure not from maybe a little bit from him uh, (laughs) but also from myself to spend more time with him and to to help him more and that kind of thing so I feel really really torn um, between you know being available for my dad and then you know um, doing stuff for yourself yeah and also supporting my kids as they're launching their careers and going through their stuff yeah uh, as well my dad is still of an age where we can go out and do fun stuff together right yeah which I really enjoy so you know doing the cycling or going for a walk and stuff like that so for me to carve out time to spend with him is great because I'm doing something that I really enjoy doing. Right, yeah. you know, it's like doing it with a friend, I suppose. Yeah. So slightly different to if he was a lot older and not able to do those things, that would definitely be harder. Yeah, see, for my dad now, uh, you know, even things like he won't, he can't drive at night, his vision isn't good enough and he's not confident enough mm. and, you know, he's quite frail. So, you know, going even going to the shops requires some, you know, it just has to be done thoughtfully. And he said to me recently that the best way of understanding what it's like for him is that he can do pretty much everything but every single thing takes 10 times longer than it used to so that's been really helpful for me to understand right but it means that even going out with him taking him out for coffee actually takes 10 times (laughs) longer (laughs) and I'm trying to sort of scramble around and you know spin a lot of plates and you're busy do all of the various mm. bits and pieces and hang out with my young people and mm. my husband and still have time to sit and watch my chickens, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm quite partial to doing. So, yeah, it's it's a challenging phase. So, mm. so for me, I kind of think, yeah, I, I welcome the empty nest, but I don't want that to mean I lose connection with my adult children because I love what they bring to my life. Well, that's all we have to say on the subject, and clearly we aren't experts. So if you want to have your say, then jump onto our Instagram page and join the conversation. You'll find us at I Wasn't Expecting That NZ on Instagram. The NZ at the end is important. If you want to find us, that is, not the other I Wasn't Expecting That's on Instagram, because you might really get something you weren't expecting. It's a photo app after all. Next time, we'll be talking about swimwear. I Wasn't Expecting That is available via the Apple Podcast app. If you don't have it, download it now. Or Android users, find us via the Google Podcast app for Android. And why not subscribe so you never miss an episode? 
I wasn't expecting that is brought to you by Now to Love, their New Zealand's largest dedicated women's lifestyle website. Visit Now to Love for the latest celebrity, royals, health, lifestyle and parenting news, committed to telling great stories that bring people together. 